ESPN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. No surprise, our markets are being dominated by the talk of weather. We're going to talk what these market drivers are today. We know that wildfires are an issue. Winter wheat crop, even though we're getting ratings from USDA, some of them are not as good as what they've been in years past. But not only dry weather here in the States, I know that we had talked earlier this week about drought in the Middle East, a dry weather in Argentina, now dry weather coming to the way of central Brazil. So no matter what you do, you can't seem to get away from the topic of a weather-related market. And I think more intensely this year than what we've seen in previous springs. So we're going to get all the details today on all of this from Todd Holtman. He's DTN's lead analyst. And Todd, we look at this market drivers, no surprise that it is the weather. It is. And, you know, that's already on top of a lot of bullish factors we've seen already this year, starting with drought in South America, as you mentioned at the top, and the whole situation in Crane. So this is just one more layer. Uh, on top and those weather factors really picked up this week so before we look at uh, the weather factors here in the in the united states let's look at south america because uh, we know that argentina continues to be extremely dry and now brazil is going to be adding to that dryness yes uh, argentina the latest crop ratings uh, are 20 percent good to excellent for corn 23 percent on soybeans both of those crops uh, are turning mature and uh, harvest has actually begun. So we're at the late phase of that. There is a little rain expected next week for Argentina, but uh, as late as this crop is, it probably won't be much benefit. Earlier uh, in this season, we saw Brazil's soybean crop come up short. We're still uh, working on estimates for that crop, but it's down significantly from what we were penciling in last fall. I look back to 1985. This is only the fourth time in history we've seen a significant hit to the soybean yield in Brazil. So it's a rather rare event uh, for soybeans not to do well uh, in Brazil. And yet this is one of those rare years. So having said that, what type of pressure is that going to put on the market, knowing that many countries bank on Brazil having, and South America in general, having a a boomer crop? Yes. Well, Brazil in particular is the world's largest uh, uh, producer of soybeans, and China relies heavily on the exports from Brazil uh, to maintain their strong demand. So any loss there translates directly to the U.S. export bottom line. And we have seen a pickup in our exports uh, here in the U.S. already. Our new crop sales are up 52% from a year ago uh, already uh, this early in the year and uh, our old crop sales are starting to slowly catch up with last year's uh, record pace one thing that concerns me uh, susan is when we look at the fob price comparisons between the u.s and brazil when we look out to the month of july we see the u.s already cheaper than brazil so those brazilian soybean supplies are just not expected to go as far this year as they normally do And that just widens the export uh, window of opportunity for us here in the U.S. I had read earlier in the week that uh, South America was looking at increasing their wheat production. And that's one commodity we don't talk a lot about coming out of South America. Is it because they're seeing maybe an opportunity with the war in Ukraine? Uh, Yes, absolutely. The the high wheat prices are going to encourage everybody where it's possible. One thing about wheat, it's grown on every continent except Antarctica. So uh, wheat is one crop that you can grow in a lot of places. And so, yes, they're going to be taking advantage 
of uh, uh, trying to get wheat acres in this year because the, the returns are definitely there if they can pull it off. Which makes it interesting if they're going to be planting this crop into dry ground. It kind of sounds like we just moved the United States a little south. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, one thing about the forecast ahead, uh, and you know, we also have the, the second corn crop in Brazil starting to uh, take root. Um, it looks this time uh, like in the forecast we're looking at moving forward, southern Brazil might get some more favorable rains. So that could actually be helpful. And uh, in southern Argentina, we'll have yet to see what that's going to look like. But it's possible that those areas might not be as dry as what we've seen for most of the corn and beans so far. What is some of that long-term pressure that you're seeing on the war with Russia and Ukraine having on our markets here in the States? Oh, you know, it, it, it hits on so many fronts. Uh, of course, there's uh, the restriction of the old crop exports, the, the corn and the wheat and the barley and the sunflower that Ukraine already produced last year, but now they're having trouble shipping it because they can't have access to the Black Sea and they're really not set up to ship things uh, across land to the West, uh, to, to the European uh, neighbors. Uh, so that's the first difficulty. The big difficulty is obviously going to be what's it going to be like to try to plant and grow a crop in Ukraine this year. And of course, if you're on the eastern side, you can forget about it. It's still under very severe wartime conditions. But in the central and western Ukraine, there may be a chance. It, it could be risky, but it's possible they could grow a crop. But then even if you go to all the work of growing a crop, will that crop be safely harvested, stored, and put in position to where it can be shipped out of the country? And that seems like a very difficult task given the wartime situation that we have going on. It's very stressful, and, and you feel for those farmers that are trying to do oh. what they can to to not only produce food for the country, but to produce food globally. Yes. Just the other day in the Wall Street Journal, there was a poultry operation they highlighted that had four million destroyed chickens uh, on their place, and they were trying as quickly as they could to take care of it, uh, uh, but at the same time dealing with Russian soldiers and all the uh, wartime aggression going on. This was also an operation that exported over a billion eggs per year. And uh, they're basically being shut down this year. It's it's just, it's sad to see in addition to all the loss of innocent life. Definitely disheartening. Well, stick yeah. around, folks. We've got a lot more coming up as we get ready to start the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell. Quick reminder, in case you forgot, markets are not open tomorrow in observance of the Good Friday holiday. We come back, we'll talk about what's happening with the winter wheat crop here, what's happening with planting in general. As we know, the folks to the north are getting hit with blizzards, and the rest of us are just dealing with the wind and hoping we stay in place. More is coming up. It's at Fontenelle Hybrids, people and products make the difference. Here's Fontenelle dealer Brandon Novak from St. Paul, Nebraska. Fontenelle offers a strong product lineup through their soybeans and through their corn. Working with the people of Fontenelle have made things a lot easier just because I have a sense of security and knowing that the products that I choose will be the right products for my farm with the help of our knowledgeable agronomists and FSRs. For more, contact your local dealer or go to Fontenelle.com. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide labor. Back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation this afternoon with Todd Holtman. Todd, of course, is DTN's lead analyst. As we look at the markets, and we said that in the first half, it is definitely still a weather-dominated type of market. And Todd, this is the earliest I think I ever remember us talking about weather this intensely in the crop forecast 
in the last couple of years? Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, that's fair to say. You know, it was 2019 when we got all that excess rain, and that turned out to be a big mess at uh, planning time. But uh, to, it's it's unsettling to see the dryness in the western Corn Belt that we're already seeing. And on top of that, our meteorologist is looking for basically a hot, dry summer forecast for the entire Corn Belt. Um, so to start out this dry and have prospects for hot and dry this summer is, is you know, pretty unnerving. Let's look at the winter wheat crop uh, first off on seeing the fact that not a lot of it's coming out of dormancy. Um, there's some issues. We see that in the weekly crop progress report. Um, numbers aren't very good for this crop at this point. No, and I don't think they're going to be any better Monday as windy as this week was. I, I imagine there's been a lot of drying of soils. Uh, throughout this week and of course the wildfires we mentioned earlier so uh, the, the the first start out of the gate USDA said 30 percent good to excellent and of course that's buffered a little bit because we actually have pretty decent moisture levels in the Pacific Northwest and in the eastern Midwest where that soft red crop is but from Montana down to Texas it's extremely dry. I just saw, and I, I, if I push you on the spot, I apologize, but I know that there was talk of some some rail issues, and you brought up the, the PNW, and I understand that the UP has been backed up. And is that going to cause any concerns when it comes to, to grain movement? Yeah, that's a big concern. And my understanding is they're asking some private cars uh, to be withheld uh, temporarily, and I think it affects Cargill, CHS, and maybe ADM. Uh, if I read that right. Um, so some of those cars carry grain. Some of those cars possibly carry fertilizer. It's it's uh, never good to hear, uh, you know, less rail service. And, of course, we're still having all kinds of transportation issues stemming from the pandemic that we really have not uh, recovered from yet. We had such a focus of it's, it's dry here in the in our neck of the woods but if you go east to the mississippi at this point there's some areas that are like okay we've had enough rain for a while we can we can stop yes it, it's definitely a tale of two cities once again this year and the, the contrasting line seems very stark in fact if you run that line down the the eastern edge of the dakotas and nebraska all the way down it's very dry to the west and uh, much uh, much better situation moisture wise uh, to the east of that. Um, so they ought to be uh, in good shape for planting uh, as far as the better moisture levels go. As long as they're not in areas that are getting too much, there are some areas that have had quite a bit. Um, but overall, the, the Eastern Corn Belt, once again, is looking to have the more favorable conditions. Our question is, by the time we get to July and August, though, uh, will that moisture still be there? And so far, our long-term forecast uh, is raising doubts that it won't be there. $8 corn bids in Nebraska, can it be tied to the dryness and the red flag warnings and everything else that's been thrown at us this growing season? Yes, it's a little bit of everything, Susan. We've had uh, really very good ethanol margins for the most part uh, through the year. We continue to need that ethanol to help stretch those fuel supplies. Um, this week's E15 announcement maybe is not a huge market mover in terms of price and supply, but it just adds uh, another reason to expect a little more bullishness out of the corn ethanol uh, situation there. And uh, the, the, the demand for corn, knowing that Ukraine is probably out of contention this year and that we've had this South American drought concern, 
the, the demand for corn is as strong as I've seen it in a long, long time. And uh, so we were a little surprised, uh, but uh, we are starting to see some $8 corn bids pop up in Nebraska. And that, I'm sure, is causing some stress for these livestock producers at this point. Oh, yeah. And especially if you go down into Kansas and the Texas Panhandle, those $8 corn bids go up to about eight seventy in the Texas Panhandle. So uh, that just tells you what kind of a stressful situation they're in. Obviously, it's tough to get hay. It's tough to get corn. And uh, that's another reason we have concern that pressure continues to be on producers to liquidate cattle so in the near term it continues to be very stressful i was just going to ask you about that what are you hearing because we've heard a lot of heifers uh going to slaughter unfortunately because there just isn't feed for them yes well we continue to keep our eye on that beef cow inventory and it's it's taken quite a dip the past 12 months and at some point uh you have to believe that's going to play out and when it does it actually sets up the market for much higher uh, cattle prices down the road. And we see that if we look at the futures markets, the October and December cattle futures uh, are doing quite well. They can. All right, Todd, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Uh, my email's uh, always the easiest, todd.holtman at dtn.com. All right, that's been today's Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.